is Old Guys Bitching. I'm Steve. And I'm Byron so far. So far. So far. I have something I want to start with because I was driving home. And no, this is not a driving thing. Oh, damn, because I was going to do that. I'm not going to complain about the roads. I am pissed about the weather. They say, when we are recording this uh, in March of 2018, it's near the end of March. Now, what is the old adage? It's March comes in like a lion and goes out like, like a lamb. Well, I think global warming is screwing that up. And now we have to adjust the adage. And it's March comes in like a lion and goes out like a lamb. A lamb with fucking fangs and rabies. Whoa. You know, usually for me, March comes in like uh, a cabbage and goes out like a fart. Oh, that's interesting. I never heard that one. Well, but I thought, you know, we have to adjust all these adages that were created uh, generations ago. And it's time to update them. So I got another one. I was going to say, we could just use the old... Uh, Will Rogers, Oklahoma weather stuff, you know. Um, if you don't like the weather, wait a minute. No, that's, that's true in Seattle. <laughs> that's it. Actually, if you don't like the weather, walk a foot. Uh, yeah. Be- the weather literally changes every five feet. <laughs> and, and there was one time I was out talking to a neighbor in the middle of the street, and it starts raining on him, and I'm in the sun. <laughs> I said, you might want to step over here. You won't get wet. It was like, what? That's nuts. Just this week, my friends in Alabama said that they've had uh, like 80-degree weather. They've had snow. They've had vicious thunderstorms. Uh, they've had uh, sleet in the morning and 70-degree degree weather in the afternoon. If they get a hurricane, they win weather bingo. Oh, I like it. What do you What do you win? Do you get a garden hose or something? What What is that? But but I've got some more adages that I think we need to change. So you know how they they used to say a penny saved uh, is a penny earned. Mm-hmm. A penny earned is not worth the two cents it costs to make the damn thing. Yeah, that's right. A, a penny saved is a waste of space. It is. I mean, pennies cost two cents to make. What is the point? Where's my refund? Where is someone who thinks that's a smart thing to keep doing? <laughs> I, I, I don't get it. And, and then uh, here's another one. At the end of the day, people keep saying, at the end of the day, I don't want to hear at the end of the day because with the goddamn uh, daylight savings, at the end of the day is way past my bedtime. That's true. Well, you, So I'm going to miss you know, it. That was uh, invented way back in medieval times. It really was. Uh, you probably don't know this, but it, it is factual because um, they discovered that most people who uh, had been dubbed as servants of the British Empire to serve in armor were they averaged about five three, five four in height. Uh, so that's why daylight savings time was created, because the uh, days were longer and the nights were shorter. But I'm pumped. Where is our? Have we gotten a snare drum yet? Where? Where? Where the hell is it? And and my final adage, uh, you know how they say easy come, easy go? Uh, yeah. Well, no, I think it should be easy come, my girlfriend's a porn star. Oh, yeah, that works. That works. That, that, that does work. <laughs> Did you happen to catch uh, the 60 Minutes interview, speaking of porn stars, with Stormy Daniels? I was going to watch on Pornhub. <laughs> 
But that, actually, there was a thing on in, uh, online today that Pornhub had this huge spike for Stormy Daniels searches <laughs> during 60 Minutes. <laughs> oh, man. And, you know, I'll have to say I've never actually been to the site. I just hear so many people referring to it that I thought I'd throw that out. <laughs> well, I'm sure her films were probably a lot more exciting than the interview was. So. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Woof. What a, I mean, what a buildup. It was almost, you know, it was almost like uh, Geraldo Rivera and Al Capone's uh, vault, if you remember that lovely oh, show. Yes, they did yes. this big buildup and they were going to break into his vault under Chicago and on live TV. And they do, they break in and there's nothing there. Just a couple of empty beer cans and a couple of drunken yeah. mice. So. It was it was just, just a waste. And this was uh, Anderson Cooper interviewing Stormy Daniels on the whole uh, her whole Trump allegations. And, I mean, first of all, even people who don't like Trump don't care, you know? I mean, for the most part, it's like, okay, if, if you're going to screw around on your wife, I mean, this is my feeling, that's between you and Melania. That's not up to us. I, there are plenty of other things I can dislike you for. That's true. The only thing that I think is really of interest is how the uh, evangelical community has completely reversed their stances on things like this, in that normally that would be something that the evangelical community uh, cared about. But now uh, somebody said, what, we're giving them a mulligan. But that was Stormy, Stormy Daniels. He said She said that he had to pay for the mulligan. <laughs> I, I just think that... Um, you know that that the whole thing with the evangelicals they're saying they're justifying it by saying well that was trump before he became president yeah it just happened that the payoff was like what two minutes before. yeah i mean the payoff is is actually more of the issue than him sleeping with a porn star and she claims stormy claims that uh he said that he and melania had an arrangement, and they had separate bedrooms, and they had an arrangement. And then the, uh, what's her name, uh, McDougal, Karen McDougal, the Playboy bunny that he had an affair with, um, said that he told her the same thing. Well, you know, they probably did. Of course, uh, Melania's preferred arrangement is uh, separate countries. <laughs> and I think she might be there on her way there now. <laughs> But, you know, the one of the things that, that uh, was said during that interview and, and during the Karen McDougal interview, too, that is not getting a lot of attention and was, to me, the more disturbing thing was how he told both of them that they reminded him of his daughter. Yeah, that was a little sleazy, but, you know, that has been something that people have thought about ever since what it was a Howard Stern interview. Right. Uh, where he said that uh, he would like to date his daughter. Yeah, yeah. I think that's just, that. that's sick. And I, I don't know that that feeling has changed, although he might, because, you know, she's uh, she and, and Jared are not his favorite people right now. Yeah, yeah, you know, wow. So, you know, this has been, a, 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 and it's all so hard to keep up with. You, you have to do it minute by minute, so you usually forget, you know, the previous minute as to what's happened. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, over the over this weekend, as you said, we're doing this the last week of March, and so the previous weekend was the March for Our Lives, right? which I, I really, really admire the, the kids and adults who arranged this, and that was hundreds of thousands of participants 
all around the world. Right. Probably, you know, well into the millions. And uh, from, you know, the East Coast all the way to the West Coast. So um, the thing that has bothered me is not that, not the March for Our Lives, but on Facebook, the just rank hostility and nastiness posted by some people. Everywhere, everywhere. And it's not helped by people like Rick Santorum who go on CNN and say, well, instead of trying to change laws, they should be learning CPR and and, 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 and reaching out to kids. Instead of being bullies, they should reach out to other kids. Well, it's like you've missed the whole point. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and 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 there's a petition. I, I just before we started doing this, I got a petition uh, to ban Rick Santorum from face from uh, CNN. And uh, I just think any any polite company. Well, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I, I am opposed to any kind of censorship. But uh, it, it amazes me that the people they get to uh, to support Republicans or to support Trump all come across sounding like total idiots. Now, aren't there some intelligent people who might have a case to make for their point of view? I mean, there are, you you know, you could come out, Santorum could easily have said, I I laud these kids. They did a terrific job in exercising their First Amendment rights. But I don't think this is going to change it. Yeah, he, he he could have been much more circumspect about it and come across as more caring and feeling. But instead, he comes across as the uh, jerk he is. Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, it's intrinsic. Now, the thing that uh, that I was noting, you know, when this stuff started popping up on my page, I initially started uh, blocking it. And then these are acquaintances. They're not friends. They're usually like friends of friends of friends who has sent me a friend request sometime over the last four or five years, and mm-hmm. I accepted it. And then when they kind of go berserko, I start off just by blocking. And somehow, I don't know how to do it. Somehow they've discovered that I'm blocking. So they go to a different profile and start uh, slapping stuff on my page. So then that comes to out-and-out unfriending. And it's been like a domino thing. I think I'm up to 17, and I don't like to unfriend people at all. But I have also... Because you have so few. That's true. (laughs) I've also learned not to engage with these people because they have no logical sense of an argument, and they're arguing uh, just crap. They're arguing uh, straw man arguments, slippery slope arguments, just things that you can debunk in like five words. And then I I also posted on my page, hey, I fact check, which I do. And a lot of them don't uh, understand the whole um, Second Amendment thing, which you can read in what Federalist Papers, number 57, written by Alexander Hamilton. Alexander Hamilton. Don't, don't rap. Don't and rap. It, ex- <laughs> it explains. <laughs> yeah. It, do- it does explain the reasoning behind this. And the reasoning was that so that the federal government did not have to pay for a standing army. That was it. Kind of like the Israelis, you know, how everybody has to, like, join the army, have a gun on hand. But if you use that gun for anything other than the army, then uh, they come and uh, they do something. But it's not nice. Well, and and as uh, many people have pointed out, when it was written, when the Second Amendment was written, it was uh, people had muskets. 
muskets took, what, two, three minutes between shots to reload. It, you couldn't fire off hundreds in, in a second or two. Yeah, so just ima- imagine like a gang drive wa- drive-by shooting with uh, musket loaders. That would be amusing to watch. (laughs) People would have plenty of time to duck and cover. (laughs) But just imagine how many, how many times they'd have to drive by. They'd have to go fill up again. Well, you know, I, I, like I I said to somebody, I I said, uh, second, people keep talking about the second amendment. I said, you know, second, second amendment amendments don't kill people. It's the interpretation of amendments that kills people. Uh, and, yeah. and if you saw in the New York Times today, March 27th, there was a, uh, uh, an editorial by, by Justice John Paul John Stevens, Paul Stevens yeah. who said it's time to repeal the Second Amendment. I mean, it's, the Supreme Court had already decided decades ago that the Second Amendment did not protect the right to have assault weapons. Right, or just a free-for-all. It was not a free-for-all. Right. Uh, because it, the first part of the amendment says in order to uh, what, have a well-regulated militia. Right. Uh, and it wasn't until 2008 when Antonin Scalia got in and completely revised the whole thing, the whole ball of wax. Right. I don't miss Antonin Scalia at one bit. Who does? I was, in fact, I, I happened to admit I gave a little cheer when I heard he had passed, which is not a good thing. I don't like that. Um, and, but, but you noticed, you noticed before the end of his life, he stopped going hunting with Dick Cheney. <laughs> I don't understand why anybody would go hunting with Dick Cheney unless you want buckshot in the face. And then you have to apologize to Dick. <laughs> I've I've never apologized for having a dick. I'm sorry. I, I that's just the way I was born. But no, the but actually there was an article too today that's talking about the Supreme Court that it's moving more to the right. I mean, I, I, is that a surprise to anyone? That but that the the Supreme Court is getting as politically polarized as. The rest of uh, politics and the rest of well, the country. Well, thank, thank you, Mitch McConnell, for driving it that way. Well, but this this is a very frightening, and this was something that was brought up uh, during the election campaign, and everyone said, do you want a right-leaning court? Because that's what Trump is going to have the chance to appoint more than one justice because of the age of our Supreme Court justices, we're going to have an all-right-wing court. Uh, unfortunately, that is that is the way that it is, is trending. I don't see any uh, real solution to it other than uh, charging Mitch McConnell with treason for endangering the country, and that's not going to happen. Well, and we should just shoot him. Uh, <laughs> I, I And I, I really do think, you know, we've talked about this before, but I really do think we're edging closer and closer to a civil war or an outright revolution. A, uh, a civil war is almost inevitable. A, a revolution is necessary. Well, that's what uh, Thomas Jefferson said. Tom and I, Tom, people don't know this, Tom and I were like that. Uh, I mean, we were <laughs> we were real tight back in grade school. Um, and in, in case you, you couldn't imagine uh, the gesture that Steve was making, he was making a circle with his thumb and forefinger and sticking his index finger in the circle. I was not away. either. <laughs> I was, you know, oh, and that's, I was driving home today and I went to give somebody the finger. I guess I wasn't fully committed to it because it just kind of came out like this. 
you know, with all my fingers in the air, with a little bit of prominence to my middle finger. But I'm like, what the <laughs> hell was that? Well, you know, the guy probably thought I was just wishing him have a nice day. I, 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 I if you're gonna give somebody the finger, commit. Yeah, that's true. But you know, uh, I got so nervous around uh, driving in Las Vegas with with all of the road construction and people zigging and zagging and other pedestrians leaping into traffic at odd moments that uh, I don't like to take my hands off the wheel. So I find myself giving them the toe. <laughs> I want to see that. That is a feat of driving. It's just like as I was driving home, and it said, stop shoulder driving now. Have you ever tried to drive with your shoulder? It's very awkward. Yeah. Uh, very very difficult to turn that wheel with just your shoulder. The, the other day, I, I talked to a friend who had just visited England for the first time in their lives. And uh, they were on a, a bus tour and suffering from jet lag. And so they were in a bus and looking down, and uh, the uh, my friend saw a beautiful Irish setter sitting in the the front seat there, and then that car on the uh, the left side, and that car started moving, and my friend thought, "Oh my God, the dog's driving a car," F- completely forgetting the steering wheels over on the right. <laughs> <laughs> I I I have seen dogs. That look like they're driving the car. You know, owners who carry their dogs on their laps while they're driving, and and you wonder who's in who's in control. Well, a couple of years ago, I was working on a uh, one of the the many failed reality shows that I have worked on, and this one was was titled "Dogs at Work." And as we were putting together the show, uh, one of the uh, uh, the people working on it comes running and says, turn on the TV, turn on the TV. This is morning television. And there was a story out of Australia about a guy who had trained three dogs to drive cars. And they were driving around a track, not like a uh, just a, an oval track. It was like a Le Mans track. And, yeah, they were, they were doing like about four or five miles an hour, but they were driving accurately. I think maybe that is a solution. Get instead of self-driving cars, dog driving cars. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, uh, have your canine in control. I like. It. <laughs> and speaking of dogs, I still have not gotten a dog. Really? I can. I'm having as much luck finding a dog as I've had finding a date online. Well, let me try a um, to to assist you because at least I could find you a dog to date. Uh, <laughs> I've had those. <laughs> but I, I have something I, I want to talk about. I've kind of okay. held off on this, but I do want to talk about this. It's not a, it's not an old guy bitching at this point, though. It's an old guy uh, dropping a plug. Ah. And that is my show, which is called Ronnie Brixton, The Best of British Boxing. I wrote it with my very good friend, Lincoln Hudson, and it opens in Las Vegas on May 2nd at a theater called The Space. Tickets are available now at uh, RonnieBrixton.com. And uh, not only are we there, then on June 2nd, we uh, open at the Hollywood Fringe 2018 at that festival. And so we're playing in the month of June then. And then following that, we are aiming for an off-Broadway run. And I do want to say that our star... The actor playing Ronnie Brixton, his name is David Shaughnessy. You're probably not familiar with that name, but David did the voice of the character Sir Didymus 
in Jim Henson's Labyrinth with David Bowie, for which a person says, whoa, you guys got nerd cred. <laughs> <laughs> I think you do. But, uh, I, but talking about now, I, I do have uh, something to bitch about with the marketing people who are working on this, and they are doing a superb job, really. But one of the items that, um, that we have that's ancillary to the show is we have... A drink, a special cocktail that was created by one of the best mixologists in uh, in Las Vegas, and it is called the Ronnie. Uh, we had uh, a little um, contretemps because uh, one of the staff members uh, found that. Wait, what was that? Did you just speak French? Yes, a contretemps. <laughs> oh, this is going to be the first podcast with subtitles. Oh, my goodness. Well, that, that's fantastic. Anyway, because of the subject matter of the play, and I don't want to get into that because you want to see the play and discover the subject matter. You don't want spoilers. Right. We had a staff member think that the drink might be offensive. So I, I consulted. I did some polling of people that might be offended that I knew. And uh, one of these people, a brilliant person, actually right there up in Seattle, uh, not my daughter, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, a person who uh, runs uh, an advocacy center in Seattle, uh, she told me that, yes, they had run into this sort of thing before. And it's like, say, people like Bill Maher complain about uh, political uh, correctness, being politically correct. But she didn't use that term. She had some great terms unhelpful helpfulness. <laughs> In other words, you know, defending these people who actually don't need defending. And the, right. the other was obstrusive allyship. A love, what? Yes, obstrusive allyship. I have no idea what obstrusive it means, but it sounds allyship. cool. It does. <laughs> it does. It, it's like I, I have a different term for crying. It's ocular precipitation. <laughs> See, it's uh, the same thing. So every time you think ocular precipitation, just think uh, am, I'm being uh, an obtru obtrusive ally. <laughs> every, <t> every time I watch This Is Us, I suffer from ocular precipitation. Oh, my. That's, oh, my. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, now... Oh, yes, I was going to say, sorry. before Go. before we got on, now this has nothing to do with my show, which is at www.ronniebrixton.com. <laughs> but uh, I, You'll get that in a few more times before May 2nd, uh, sure. sure. I, I, <laughs> I saw uh, uh, an internet ad. It was not a pop-up. It was like just there uh, on one of the pages I was looking at. And you know how you get targeted after a while. So you're seeing stuff, often stuff that you've already purchased, uh, just, you know, uh, uh, yes. popping up on your page and that sort of thing. So I don't know whether to feel targeted or insulted by this one. It was specially for Easter pre-poo spray. So that what? that that you're, uh, you're you can leave your bathroom smelling like Easter jelly beans by spraying this pre-poo spray. Before you um, take care of business, I I thought it was something you spray in your butt to make it come out quicker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, all I can think of is, you know, okay, you spray the pre-poo spray, and then when you leave, it just smells like somebody crapped on a bowl of jelly beans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, 
It could be poo-flavored jelly beans. Ooh. Oh. Now, you know, they, there was an article that, that said that um, astronauts may someday be eating their own gel from, made from their own poo. Uh, you know, I, I did, um, I know, I knew, well, uh, who knows? He's still probably haunting someplace. Uh, Harry Waters. Harry Waters was the guy who engineered the space toilet. Oh, <laughs> a guy named Harry, Harry Waters. Waters. <laughs> and and when you when you visit the U.S. Space and Rocket Center in the men's room, uh, it plays the uh, National Public Radio interview of Harry and how he. <laughs> He did this and how it was tested with a uh, an army lieutenant who purported to be very regular until he came to um, to test and then he got stage fright. <laughs> <laughs> and on top of that, see, in order that uh, that that poo doesn't escape, uh, it is in a vacuum, so they had to uh, calibrate the vacuum and and not not pull you inside out <laughs> while. Oh, my God, this doesn't sound fun at all. The more I hear about space travel, uh, the more I I always thought I wanted to do it when I was younger, and now I don't want anything to do with it. There was um, actually in Scott Kelly's book on... Uh, now, he, he's, he's the brother of, it, of Mark? He's the brother of Mark Kelly, mm-hmm. and his book is called, it is out now, Endurance. Because he spent a year, you know, on the uh, on the space station. At the time, he broke the record for longest time in space. And you know, uh, his DNA has been altered. Yeah, his DNA changed, right? So that plus, if you read the book, he goes through a moment by moment description of what it's like being in the ro- in the rocket to go to the space station, and what it's like waiting for liftoff, and then what it's like during liftoff. Well, you remember what John Glenn, John Glenn, the third man, third American in space, you remember what he said. All I think about is I'm sitting on top of the low bid. <laughs> that is true, and that's a very frightening thing. <laughs> and do you remember, now, now there was, this is we're, this might get us in trouble, but there was a comedian years ago. He's he has left us. My name Jose Jimenez. Jose Jimenez, Bill Dana yep. was a comic, and he was on Ed Sullivan's show all the time and doing Jose Jimenez, the first Mexican astronaut. And uh, you know, he, he, he did. Well, I can't do. There's one visual bit where they go, okay, where they had a line of people. To go into space, he said, and and the guy who's recruiting, he says, I've got this feather. I'm going to throw the feather in the air, and whoever it lands on will be the first astronaut to go in space. So he throws it in the air, and Jose Jimenez goes, (laughs) 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 blowing it away. I don't land on me. And then he does get picked to go, and he just wants his crayons. I want my crayons. Oh, man. Yeah, Bill, Bill Dana was awfully funny. Of course, it's something that is difficult to uh, to air now because— uh, Well, but that his career was basically ruined by p- political correctness. Yes, unhelpful helplessness. Yes. Obstrusive yeah. allyship. Do you realize so many of the comedians that we watch growing up could not survive today with the acts they had. Uh, that's true, and when you they would have to do something completely different. When, when you look at uh, at 
uh, turn of the uh, 19th to the 20th century, the uh, burlesque comedians uh, of that time doing uh, Dutch comedy and uh, doing, uh, this is scary, I'm, okay, I apologize to everybody in advance, doing blackface. Even the black actors were doing blackface. So, uh, yes. you know, then when you, when you got down to the, uh, the people doing uh, Kiwi humor, nobody knew what the hell that was, and so they didn't make it. But, right. <laughs> but that's what, you know, my, my grandfather was a performer and was, uh, did it, was pretty big in, in vaudeville. And I've got one of his scrapbooks, and there are pictures of him in blackface. Mm-hmm. I can't, I keep the thing hidden in the closet because I'm afraid to take it out and people just look at me, you know, especially younger people who don't know that was a thing. Mm-hmm. But that was a big act. Al Jolson, my grandfather, I mean, you know, it, everybody did blackface at one time or another. Uh, in the movie Holiday Inn. Yes. Uh, there is an entire number uh, called Abraham, which is, Ab- is done yeah. with Bing Crosby uh, in blackface. In blackface. And every time, I love the movie, but every time that scene comes on, I cringe. Mm-hmm. I just can't say. And it was interesting because they, the stage version of Holiday Inn that's been touring the country recently, um, that number was eliminated. Yes, it was. And, and by the way, since you brought that up, I do have to say, uh, Lorna Luft, please get well. Lorna played a principal role in that touring uh, company. And mm. uh, she recently uh, suffered a, a brain tumor, has uh, had a brain surgery, and her husband says that uh, she is recovering. The prognosis is good, but Lorna, get well. And for, for those who don't know who Lorna Luft is... Oh, that is Judy Garland's second daughter. And by the way, Liza is back in the hospital, too. What? What, what's with her? I don't know. Friend of mine who had booked her for this Friday night with uh, Michael uh, Feinstein sent out a, uh, an e-blast that the event was canceled because she is in the hospital. Oh, you, you know, I, I told you my story. My, my dad had a cousin who did a radio show in New York many, many moons ago. And when my dad was a teenager... His his cousin called him and said, "You got to come down to the show. I got this girl singer is going to be on, and I think you should take her out and show her the city. You know, she's not from here." So my dad went down, and sh- her name was Frances Gum. Ah, <laughs> and uh, my dad just you know she was gawky, and he just didn't think she was attractive. He said, "No, I'm not interested." Well, she was one of the Gum sisters, right? And le- later, when she became Judy Garland. He was a, a, a huge fan of Judy Garland. And I, when he told me the story, I said, Dad, I could have been Liza Minnelli. Yes, you could have. And uh, you've got the legs for it. I do. I have better legs. Do you know, now this is years ago, I was working on the Howard Cosell show, Saturday Night Live with Howard Cosell. And I had to get, I was working behind the scenes, and I had to get uh, the Rockettes in line in front of the theater for the opening number to open the show. And I, I'm leading them. I said, follow me. And I'm joking with them. And I said, oh, can I join the Rockettes? And they said, well, it depends. What do your legs look like? And I rolled up my pants and they said, they're better than ours. 
So I could have been a rocket. Well, that's it. We're out of time. And that means that uh, you must be Steve. I must be, and you must be Byron. So far, so good. And what's that What's that lo- uh, web address again for your show? www.ronniebrixton.com. Don't worry, you'll hear it a lot. We'll talk to you next time. We're old guys bitching. Old guys 